Good morning. Good morning. We would like to welcome you here to the house of the Lord as we come together as God's people to sing his praises, to learn more about him. Please stand and join us as we begin by singing together. you would be 
what you've done for me. Everyone needs compassion, love that's never failing. Let mercy Sing it for the glory of the risen King.
my heart is overwhelmed and I cannot hear your voice. I'll hold on to what is true, though I cannot see. If the storms of life they come and the road ahead gets steep, I will lift these hands and faith. I will believe. I'll remind myself of all that you've done and the life I had because of your We bask in, in the truth that we are forever yours, that you came and you gave and you offered us salvation and a life, uh, Lord, that we can live to fullness. And we are here today gathered to worship you. 
Thank you, God, for saving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you take a seat, take a moment to greet somebody and just welcome them here as we worship together. good to see you all and uh, today is our first day with two services so if you want to get the whole message today you'll have to come back for part two in the second service because I don't know how to do one message twice in the same time so keep that in mind she's laughing <laughs> there you go part one and part two um, we have a nursery um, we have a great nursery wonderful staff uh, for zero up to two-year-old and infants and so if you'd like that and you would like to have uh, one of your children or go in there that's great but we are more than happy um, to just enjoy them worshiping with us so feel free out of the way there later in the service we'll dismiss those uh, children from two to five for a children's church time and uh, again just take note of that and we'll uh, give you good uh, heads up on that if you have any questions our ushers will help you in the process um, to know how to get where in the um, uh, in their buildings here this is uh, our first week of actually kicking back into gear we've ended our summer sabbath so slowly you'll see things start to kick up and get back into uh, full swing we have sunday school starting in the, uh, the last sunday of the month there's a few meetings that are starting to come uh, together notice in your bulletins here take note of these specifically uh, the 24th of August, uh, the youth, uh, their parents are getting together at 9.40 in the morning, so make sure you're aware of that. And then we have a couple mealtime concepts coming together. We have a welcome students back to our community potluck, and that's the 24th as well in the evening at 5 p.m. Notice here the different uh, ways that'll function, what to bring, what not to bring. And then the final weekend on the 31st, we have a welcome newcomers to our community dessert. So I don't know if you can eat in between. There's a meal on the 24th and there's a dessert on the 31st. So maybe we fast in the middle there. I'm not sure about that one. I won't, just so you know, I'm not going to fast. Um, but it's great to, to feel and, and start to get back together and see these things pick up and, and college picking up and schools and teachers have been gearing up. And as we do that, um, let us just be in, in remembering each other. The, what, the odes are out on uh, vacation this week and just pray for them during this week that God would continue to replenish them and restore them, prepare them for uh, the ministry that lies ahead for them and the church as well. We've been highlighting the persecuted church at different times through the last uh, months as well as some missionary moments. In the persecuted church, foreign Christians working in Libya are being targeted for persecution and ex execution during the current times of political unrest. And even still, you can think even right now about Iraq and what's happening there even more vividly as well. So just continue to pray for the needs of the persecuted church around the world and within our own nation. And in the missionary moments, we think of the Kamakui Wesleyan Hospital in northern Sierra Leone. It has a long history of health ministry and evangelism, church planning in the Islam-dominated region. And many Houghton doctors, nurses, and support personnel have served there. And focus, focus prayer this month is for critical renewal and restoration after a series of ownership, administrative, and staff crises. Pray for unity in the Wesleyan Church in Sierra Leone as we focus on that today and throughout this week.
this time, we'd like to invite the ushers forward to assist us in the giving of our tithes and offerings. It's uh, our privilege now to spend time in worship, in prayer. And you're welcome to come here to the front, to the altar, if you'd like to, to kneel and spend time in prayer. If you, it's difficult to kneel, there's seats up here. You can feel free to come up and sit up here. Uh, you can certainly pray right where you're sitting. Um, and there are a number of concerns, obviously, that we have in our bulletin that just help us direct. So take your bulletins and, and look through those as I pray and lead us in prayer. Pray along with me and uh, think of those things that are 
joyful that you want to praise God for in adoration and those things that are burdening you and burdening others uh, that you're aware of. So let's just spend a few minutes in prayer now. God, what a, what a great thing it is to, to find comfort in knowing that you alone are God. We don't have to try to sort things out if we, if we just turn to you and trust in you and, and lean. Not our own understanding, but Lord, we would reach out to you creator of this great universe and of the great vastness that exists and yet of the little details the insects and the grains of sand you truly are great magnificent and awesome and Lord we take these moments now and we just thank you for all that you do for each of us. For the ways you provide and you bring blessings to our lives. Lord, we know there are so many needs within our church and our family. And even beyond that as well. Extended families. And friends, Lord, that live elsewhere, but are dear to our hearts. And so, God, we we take these moments now and we think of these individuals, those who have been battling with cancer or physical uh, struggles. Maybe it's emotional, battling depression, God, we lift these people before you. We bring them before you. And we ask, God, that you would touch their lives. Lord, heal them. Bring to them joy and comfort. And where there's pain, Lord, ease the pain. And help those who are wrestling with depression, Lord, to to see you and feel you and know your nearness, you would lift their spirits through the power of you, O Holy Spirit, as you would flow through their minds and bodies. God, we think of those serving all around the world. I I think of those in in Nicaragua who just left a, a day or so ago, yesterday morning. Lord, we pray for them as they travel. They enter into a different culture. We ask that you would prepare them. You've been working in their lives as they've raised support and and met together in prayer. And now as they join up with the team in Nicaragua, we ask, Lord, that you would uh, bring together a, a fantastic opportunity of ministry that their lives will be changed 
And as you change and work in their lives, that those that they reach out to and minister to, Lord, likewise will have life-changing experiences and people will be introduced to you and they will discover you and fall in love with you. And Lord, there are many who serve across this great world in different branches of ministries, whether it's in translations or um, maybe it's physical labors or, or maybe it's teaching in Bible schools. And Lord, there's just so many different ways that you enable us and, and allow us to get out to places beyond here in Houghton to have impact and expose people to your love, to your faithfulness, to the goodness of who you are. And Lord, you allow us not only to reach out way out and, and beyond across the oceans, but Lord, even here in our own neighborhood, in Allegheny County, in Houghton, in Steuben County, in, in the area surrounding here, New York State. Lord, help us to have your eyes to your vision, to know as a church how to effectively be used by you, to lift you up, that you might draw people unto yourself, that they might discover your love and your faithfulness and your goodness as well. And Lord, we think of our our nation and the world as well and all the chaos and the the heartache, the evil and the sin and the confusion, God, we know that you are fully aware of all that's happening. And we ask that you would move in the lives of those who make decisions, who are deciding whether or not to fire that weapon or to lay down their weapons or to make decisions that would move armies and, and uh, people around. And God, there's so much that goes on that we can't even begin to understand and grasp. And it's so complex, but not for you, God. We know you know the mind of every person that's involved in all these decisions, all that's happening in Iraq and and in the Gaza Strip and all around the world, Lord, in Libya with the persecuted church as we think of them specifically. God, we know that you can bring order to this chaos. And we beg and plead, God, that you would work in the lives of those people. Even if they don't know you, they don't want to. God, you would move in these lives. And your power will infiltrate and move and cause people to do things, say things, or not do things, not say things, that would begin to ease the tensions and allow, Lord, um, freedom and peace to settle in. We love you, Lord. We know there's so much going on, so much beyond our capacity to know. And that is why, God, we, we are in awe of you. And we reach out to you today with these thoughts, these prayers, these concerns, these praises to you. Because you alone are God. And you alone are worthy to be praised. It's your name that we pray. Amen. After the reading of the scripture, then children will be dismissed, the two to five-year-olds to Children's Church. Katie's been saying, Children's Church, all morning.
us to be patient. Our scripture reading today is from Luke. It's chapter 24, 13 through 31. Will you please stand for the reading of the gospel? It's Luke 24, 13 through 31. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleophas, said, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem, and do you not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, Jesus asked. About Jesus... Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and other rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since this all took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen visions of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, How foolish you are! How slow of heart to believe all that the people have, prophets have spoken! Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them, what was said in all the scripture concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. And so he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And Jesus disappeared from their sight. This is the word of the Lord. My soul finds rest in God alone, my rock and my salvation, a fortress strong against my foes, and I will not be shaken. Though lips may bless and eyes may curse, don't let errors pierce me. I'll fix my heart on righteousness. I'll look to him who hears me. Soul in God alone, amid the world. 
You know, I've been in here a lot over the last five, six, seven years. And I've never really stopped and looked at these windows and really kind of studied them. But being the connoisseur of art that I am, and I, I know there's the cross and I think olives maybe could be grapes. Crown, lamp, dove. The sword. My kids would love the sword. I remember going to the castles in Europe and just all the swords and all the types of weapons and stuff. It was really cool. But, you know, it just dawned on me. Look at all the footballs around the window. <laughs> there's, that, there's that song, something about in my father's house, a big, big yard where we can play football. Yeah. It's really neat. And this organ is huge. I would love to try to count. I think there's about 37 pipes in that organ. I've been counting them all the time trying to sort out how many pipes there, but somebody told me there's a lot more than that. But I need to get up there real quick because I know you guys are concerned about the message, but I figured the longer I mosey, the less you have to listen to me. So we'll just, uh, these are nice. Look at these guys. Wow. There was a different set of flowers here yesterday when I was rehearsing this process. So this is kind of throwing a curveball to me, but that's all right. You know, I wonder... 
I wonder what it was like for those guys on the road to Emmaus as they were heading along. Their world had just been turned upside down. And Cleopas and the other disciple were confused and concerned and scared as they headed down that road. I don't think they were moseying along. I think they were moving at a quick pace. Some would even say they were trying to get out of Dodge, get out of town, because they were afraid for their lives, because Christ, whom they had been trusting and following, was just crucified. And if you were associated with Christ, you might meet the same fate. And so they were kind of scooting on the road to Emmaus, about a seven-mile walk for them. And um, as they were going along, Christ comes up along beside them. And there are a lot of different reasons why they didn't know it was Christ. In Mark, it implies that Christ had a totally different form. He looked a little different to them. I wonder if Christ had looked just like Christ. And maybe he did look just like Christ. But they were so concerned about what was going on that they were unable really to recognize who was with them. They were so fixed on their concerns and their, their fear for their life as they walked along that road that that probably played into the process as well. But it matters not as they moved along and they were talking about the events of the day or the weekend in the past week, uh, Christ steps in and, and basically says, you know, you guys, What's, what's up? You know, what do you, tell me about this. And then he continues, and, and Christ eventually takes over this conversation and elaborates on all that has taken place. And in that process, um, their hearts are warmed, and yet they still haven't seen Christ. Max Licato wonders, as Christ broke the bread, they, they begged that he would not go any further, that he would stay with them for that meal that evening. Uh, as he broke the bread that, and handed that bread and gave thanks that their, lives, their eyes were opened, and perhaps even in that moment, they saw the nail-pierced hands. And boom, it all just came together. Rabbi. And then he was gone. And sometimes in our lives, we struggle with, with knowing what is right there with us. What options lie around us. You think of the, the Good Samaritan story. And as those first two went down that road and came across that person beaten and battered, they just moved along. They stepped out of the way. They didn't want anything to do with it. They missed an opportunity. But the Good Samaritan comes along and he sees. And he's got a schedule. He's got somewhere to be. But he stops. And he takes time to notice and, and take care of some of those needs that are right there in front of him. And I think for us... Um, we wrestle with that process, moseying, strolling, taking time in our lives. And so I've reached into the depths of my theological books, and I've pulled out this one, Kids Camping A to Z by Patrick McManus. Um, it was mixed in with some of the other athletic books I have over my office that I study very heavily. But there's, here's, a great, here's a great description of moseying. The hiker who moseys along will feel more, enjoy more, and see more than a whole herd of campers who go down the trail as if they were participating in a stampede. 
all the great woodsmen and woodswomen that I have ever known were experts at the art of moseying. Here's how to mosey. Take two or three easy steps and stop. Look around. Turn a rock over with the toe of your boot. See what's underneath it. Salamander, worm. Then take a half a dozen more easy steps. Just kind of stroll and look around. Hitch up your pants. Now stroll maybe 50 yards or so. Stop. Take another casual look around. Maybe adjust your pack. Put it on a log. Grab a handful of gorp. Snap a couple of pictures of the flowers, the wildflowers. Take time to notice the wildlife in the tree nearby. And then at an easy pace, maybe go 100 yards or so where you stop again and you repeat the whole process. And as you travel along the trail, slowly you'll come across those stampeding hikers. Be careful not to step on their tongues as you go by. And I think that's a lot of what happens in our lives. We get racing, moving so quickly that we get exhausted. We, our culture, our world essentially moves at just a fast pace. And I've said to a handful of people as I've been uh, preparing for this uh, message that I really felt like I'm talking to myself a lot. And that's unfortunate that you have to listen to me talk. My wife listens to me talk to myself all the time. So you can bear with me for a little bit here. But I really have wrestled with space and time in my life. And not just the last few months, but probably for a couple, three years now, I've wrestled with that process of taking and making space and time. And I just kind of have this speed. And it's not real fast. It's just going. And it's just one steady pace. Noah Ben Shea said this. It's the space between the notes that makes the music. It's the space between the notes that makes the music. He went on to say, rhythm is created with spaces. Without rhythm, music is a boring conglomeration of notes and words. I tried, I I don't even dare try to to hum something with no rhythm and just kind of go because then you'd walk out on me for sure. I'd have all the space in the world because I wouldn't have a job left. (laughs) But think about it. We could take, and you can do this with songs you just know. This is the day that the Lord has made. And the way you create the spaces and the rhythm, uh, you can jazz it up. You can slow it down. You can do all kinds and sorts of things to that with that rhythm, with the spaces that you produce. Sometimes you can sing words slowly for an effect, or you can go quickly for an effect. But music, it hangs on the spaces between the notes. In between the words. I think as I thought of those words, it reminded me of the importance of having space in my life. Am I really allowing space? Am am I creating any kind of rhythm in my life? Are you? Are you kind of caught up in a a steady pace right now? You know, we just came out of May and the, the school year, college ended, and then in June, the school years, the high schools ended, and we were just, 
getting through it all, getting through it all so we can hurry up and have vacations and rest. But we often do that. We hurry up and have vacations and we hurry in our vacations because we ran out of water or ice or whatever it is. Or we got to race to the hotel that's going to close if I don't get there by 11 o'clock or whatever the circumstances are. And we race to our vacations and now it's middle of August practically and school starting up again and colleges starting up in our community that's a big deal because a lot of us are affected by that and we're already gearing up and starting to move forward and gearing and we, we've missed summer practically that moment in time that we theoretically should be able to slow down a little bit and create a little rhythm not this steady pace but a little slowdown in our lives and, and we wrestle with that you know God created space God created space. And he designed us in his image. And we function best when we live our lives the way he lives his. And from the beginning of creation, God created space. Space between physical objects. Space between the heavens and the earth. Space between the planets and stars. Space between the different types of animals. Space between the day and the night. God created space. Let's look at Genesis chapter 1, just for a moment. And just look at this creation process. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface and the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And then there was evening And then there was morning, the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse. And he separated the water under the expanse from the water above. And it was so. God called the expanse sky and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered in one place. And let the dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters, the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed, uh, plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there's morning the third day. And it goes on through the whole process of creation. God is creating space and separating things out. To the point when we get down to verse 31, God saw all that had been made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested and from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from the work of creating all that he had done. I wondered 
even if God perhaps rested in between each day a little bit. Because there was a separation marking each day. And there was a little break in there before God went on to the next place. But if you just look at that whole process of creation, it just didn't happen. But God was taking time and, and purposely creating things as he observed. And the beautiful process and the beautiful thing about this is when it's all said and done, he stops and he rests. And he takes a long look at what he's done over the last six days. And he enjoys it. He looks at it and just worships even what he has done as it worships him. And there's this communion between his creation and himself. We are created in God's image. And we need to realize how important it is that we too create space in our lives day to day, week to week, month to month, so that we can enjoy life to the fullest. That is what God wants us to. To do. He wants us to get the most out of life. And one of the ways we can do that is by deliberately creating space in your lives. Now you might say, well, I don't need space in my life. I'm doing just fine. To that I'd say, you know, if it's good enough for God and it's important for God and you and me were created in his image, then it's probably good enough for us. And more than good enough, it's necessary. It's necessary. There's a thought, there's a song, and it, it stimulates me as, as I think about this whole concept of taking time. Take time to be holy. Speak oft of his word. Take time to be holy. We need to take time out of our schedules and step back and Maybe it's refueling. Maybe it's spending time just reading God's word. Maybe it's spending time in prayer. Maybe it's spending time with your spouse or your children or friends or whatever it is. But we need to break away from work rat, the rat race of work and the go, 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 go and step back and, and make space in our lives and take time that we can enjoy all that God has done for us. Sometimes we get way down the road and something negative happens in our lives. We hit a bump in the road or a pothole or whatever it is. And man, the first thing that comes to our mind is we start to complain and we get depressed or mad or upset with people, with God or whatever it is. Probably because the last three months of your life you've been racing around not even knowing all the great things. You've been just going through them. Going. Without stopping and taking time to notice all the great things that have been happening. So that when that pothole comes, boom, you might say, well, that's a bump in the road. Wow. Wow. And think, God, you got to get that one fixed. Can I help? Kind of like the Good Samaritan. Can I help, God? Is there something I can do here to make this better? As opposed to just getting all bent out of shape and mad and frustrated and upset with the situation. Let's go back to the universe for a minute. The orbital process of the planets. Think about the, the spacing. This is well beyond me. But you got the sun... And you got all these other planets that are orbiting around that sun. And there are different spaces, distances between the planets and the sun. And between the planets and the planets. And all these planets have moons that are going around them. And it's just one big, to me, it's incredible. But think about it. As it all is just kind of going around each other. And it's just going around the sun. And you know, that gravitational pull of the sun on the earth, that's a big deal. Because if the earth was a little too close... We'd heat up a little bit, and we'd all 
not do so well. Or if the earth was a little too far away, then it cooled down a bit. And then we'd have issues that way. It's all set up in just a fantastic way. And what's even more fascinating to me is that each of these planets are tugging on each other as they tug and have a relationship with the sun. And everything is just so intricate. It's amazing. And if any one little piece of this falls apart, it doesn't only just affect Jupiter or Venus. But if one of those gets messed up, it's going to affect the next planet, which affects the next. And before you know it, the whole system has a little bit of a problem. That's like us, people. If we don't create space in our lives, not only are we damaging ourselves, but we're going to damage those that we love. The people that are dear to us. We'll, demonstrate, we'll damage our relationship with God. It'll hinder that ability to commune with God, but it's going to hinder my ability to communicate with the people around me that I know, that I love dearly. And even the people I don't know and I don't love so much because I don't even know who they are. But I could be having a pretty bad day because I just haven't been creating space and I walk into the grocery store and unbeknownst to me stands this young 18-year-old guy who's been trained and he's sitting at that register scared to death because somebody's going to ask him to make change and I come in and I'm just and I give him all the stuff and he hits the wrong button. The buzzers go off and he's panicking and I'm yelling at him because I'm in a hurry and I just ruined his day because I just wasn't patient. I was also bent on my issues and I've affected him. I don't even know who he is. And that happens as well in our lives. We need to understand how important and vitally important it is to everything about who we are and the people we connect with in our lives that we function well. And we function best when there's space and rhythm in our life. And we can have a better impact on people around us that we don't know, those that we do know and we love. And as we work and interact with God, that all becomes a little bit more harmonious as well. And, and that a relationship develops and feels good and good. You can't live at warp speed. I don't know who said this. I heard it back in January. Uh, Don Bray was sharing uh, some thoughts on the Sabbath. You can't live at warp speed without warping your soul. You can't live at warp speed without warping your soul. And another thought, you can't sprint and follow Jesus at the same time. Now, some of us might be able to sprint and follow, but the principle's there. You can't go and follow very easily. You ever walk a dog that just tugs, tugs, tugs? We had Annie, uh, our dog, who has a home down in, in West Virginia. We're so grateful for that. But Annie didn't understand the concept of slow down and she would tug. And you can say you just needed the trainer and do obedience. And that probably would have worked. But it would have been a lot harder than you think. And she would just stretch your arms and tug and pull for miles. She just kept going and she <laughs> and then you'd stop and she'd sit there at the end <laughs> and you'd start walking and she'd start pulling again. And it got even worse if you had another dog. That I, Annie had to be in the front. It's just how it was. She couldn't follow. She had to tug and pull. And if you just let go of the leash, gone. Annie would be gone for hours sometimes. And sometimes we're like that. We're not content to follow. We just got to go and be out in front. But God's saying, slow down. Slow down, Gavin. Take a deep breath. Smell the roses. Look around and observe and notice all the good that's around you. We can learn this from our master himself. Mark chapter 1. I just want to share a couple thoughts here 
as we wrap this up. Mark chapter 1, I'm going to start right at 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, as I stand here, and I kind of wandered in this morning and looked at these glasses, these windows, and and observed them, and I really haven't looked at them very closely until this weekend— when I got here this morning, turned around, I saw that picture back there. And I don't know if you've ever seen that one, but there it is, Christ. And he's in a solitary place. Probably the Garden of Gethsemane on his own. Maybe not. Maybe it's this passage here. But what we know about Jesus is he did. He separated himself out from people. It says, as you look in John and look at that uh, whole part of the leading up to the crucifixion when Jesus, after the Last Supper, went out into the garden. They all went out, and it says where they often went. They knew this garden. They had spent time fellowshipping, getting away from the crowds in prayer, one-on-one, maybe in groups of three, who knows. But they knew the garden. And there's other references where Christ would just step away and get away from the multitudes because he needed time and space, rhythm in his life. And he's God. And if he needs it, boy, I, I bet I do too. And here's, here's a cool part of this passage. Okay, I want to read this part again. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Do you think Jesus didn't know that already? And that's why he was where he was? Yeah, I know, guys. Everybody's looking for me. And you know, Jesus didn't jump up. Oh, Mercy me. Mercy me. That's interesting. He didn't jump up and say, ah, where are they? Let's go get them. Let's go help them. What's it say? Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else. (laughs) What? Jesus knew that those he had just been with will be fine. He could move on. He knew his heavenly father. He trusted in God. And he entrusted these lives that he had been impacting to him. And he said, let's go somewhere else. I'm about preaching and reaching out to more people. Let's go and move on down the road. What a powerful thought. Sometimes we get so worried what's going to happen that we cannot even for a moment begin to let go because we're afraid it's just going to fall apart. And that that brings me to a next passage in Matthew chapter 6. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little face? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, 
and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. And I think that's perhaps the, the key to being able to stroll in life a little bit, to, to mosey, as it were, to take time to be holy, is the ability to trust and really believe that God's in control and that we can, because of who he is, relax a little bit and enjoy life the way God relaxed and enjoyed his creation. In his book, Sabbath is Resist- as Resistance, saying no to the culture of now, Walter Bruegemann says this, God is not a workaholic. <laughs> God is not a workaholic. God is not anxious, nor is, he, nor is his creation anxious. God is not like Pharaoh. What's that got to do with anything? If you just jump out for a minute and think about the Israelites and those years of slavery and Pharaoh, and that whole culture was work, 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 work. Not only did the Israelites as slaves have to work seven days a week, 24-7 practically, but so did all the soldiers who had to watch them and all the, the, the foremen. And the, whole, the whole culture is about building, building, work, 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 building, building. And for years and years and generations and generations, that's all the Israelites knew. And suddenly, God the Father comes along and rescues them and takes them out across the Red Sea and out on the other side. And then they're at Mount Sinai. And then the Ten Commandments come down. And there he is explaining to them, a couple key commandments, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, body, and spirit, and love your neighbor as yourself. I'm not racing through those. I'm just simply saying there was about God, this relationship. And you can think some of these Israelites, here we go again, another guy just wants, wants, wants. But then he goes in to this whole concept of relationships. Don't steal, don't kill, no coveting, and on and on. And it's, this is new to them. What's this all about? And then of the commandments about keeping the Sabbath and holy, there's more elaboration on that one commandment than all the others. God knows they're going to need rest. And he knows and understands these people. And he's trying to help them to realize the importance of rest in their lives. Because he knows it's about this and not about individuals. And that these people can become a culture that would love the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, body, soul, spirit. And they would learn the importance of having rhythm in their lives and creating space and reaching out to one another as opposed to being focused on just getting the job done. The other gods are agents of anxiety. This is again Bruegemann. But we, by discipline, by resolve, by baptism, by Eucharist, and by passion, resist such seduction. In doing so, we stand by our creator in whose image we were made. If God can rest, so can we. If God can rest, so can we. So in closing, I think what I've gotten out of this idea of moseying or strolling through life is that we need to learn how to take time to be holy. God has demonstrated throughout history how important it is to him and how necessary it is for us to stop and enjoy the simple things of life so that we can ultimately get the most out of life. Let's pray. Lord, help us. God, help us. It's so easy, especially here we are. We're, we just came through a summer and perhaps some of us don't feel very rested and, and yet things are gearing up and we know we got to shift gears 
if we even have any gears in our gearbox. I don't know. But Lord, there are gears there. We just need to choose the downshift and slow down a little bit. Help us, God. Give us the courage to say no to things, to say yes to you, and to take a break and to create space every day, every, throughout the day, throughout the week and the months and the days ahead. Allow us, God, to enjoy you to the most and to the fullest in your creation. Help us, Lord, to be holy as you are holy. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and join us as we sing.
Receive the benediction. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Go in peace. Thank you.